Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. It's time for a peculiar podcast. In your wildest dreams, you could not imagine the marvelous surprises that await you. Hosted by Pat Cashman. He had a fiery quality on the stage and off the stage, and he was gorgeous to look at. And back by his side, Lisa Foster. She has tattoos, she's cool. She's dangerous. Broadcasters turned rogue podcasters. It's just a real nice surprise. They're back and on demand. Just press the button. See, you're on. Ready or not, it's Pat and Lisa. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. <laughs> Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Yeehaw! Can you dig it? Yeah, yeah, I can dig it, yeah. By golly, isn't it great that we get to continue to do this? I've lost count of the years, but I, I think we started doing the podcast about, I don't know, I know it was in the last century. Yeah, it was before the internet was even invented. And just when all, seem, all seems lost. If I could, I'd you know how these things are. Then we get these these contributions from people who who not only contribute money of all things to us, but by their contributions prove that they think there might be some value in this that we should continue. It be, it means they're listening, which is astonishing. And uh, I think you have a list of folks we want to quickly thank. Right I do. There. Uh, but just let me say before you do. That if everybody who listened to this podcast, every member of the listening audience listened to this podcast, we would clear sixteen dollars mm-hmm. a month every if month. If they if they did so what? Just gave us if they would just contribute oh, one dollar. Yes, I see what you're saying. That would be great. That would be sixteen dollars. I'm not a math whiz, but yeah, I believe I that's correct. Right. So uh just let me say that. If one person if contributed a million dollars, well, you 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 can figure it right. out from there. And we would actually just do the podcast at their house every every week. Yeah. We'd move in. Uh, but anyway, here are the people and some uh, familiar names on there who are just wonderful stalwarts and keep keep throwing money at a unfixable <laughs> problem. And again, thanks for everyone's contributions it helps pay for the 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 hosting site yeah. and um our our bloody marys and um well you're well you've had Mary. a few with me but it's it's much appreciated oh. so it keeps us keeps us rolling here on the podcast so the first name i hope i hope i say this one right so the um the first one uh, we want to say thanks to is eduardo Caliwag. wrong Caliwag. wrong Caliwag. wrong I'm just, you know, doing my Trump impression there. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Uh, Catherine Losbar, thank you very much. David Beegman or Beegman. Uh Julia Moody, thank you. Lynn Barker, thank you as always. Mm-hmm. And uh, also known as Miss Dudley. Yes, and uh, Roberto Riego. Um, wow, thank you, Roberto. I have a feeling that you might have misplaced your. Uh, your decimal point mm-hmm. there, but we, we bad for him. That Good and for let us. us know if you want a refund if it was a mistake. Yeah. Pat'll be happy to give you your money back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can do that. Sure, just just give me a few months and I'll s- scrape it together. We won't embarrass him by enunciating the no. specific amount right now, but it, it was substantial. I think so. It yeah. was just very generous. Mm-hmm. He must have been liquored up when he decided to go to the the contribution button on our on our website but uh thank you very much yeah he must have been that's right but keep drinking that's and right. keep listening exactly. thank you well as, as you know lisa i live in a uh, part of the time now in the in the very same town where i grew up down in yes. bend oregon and uh we're not I'm, we're not here all the time but some of the time and uh, because we're going to live here part of the time uh and Having said all of that, uh, I, I think I've on a previous podcast went through the entire litany of all the things that have gone wrong uh, just trying to mm-hmm. move down here uh, with an existing house that 
had a pipe burst and it's flooded out. We still haven't got it fully repaired. We're not in it yet. God knows when. And we're working on about a year ago now that this yeah, all it's been happened, a long time. Which is mm-hmm. astonishing to me. We've been in a, a rental house down here that uh, at least through the end of this month, the insurance company will pay for. Uh, but then we're on our own dime until we get into the other place. But my point in bringing it all up is that um, Bend, when I grew up, was a small town by any measure. It, it hadn't, it couldn't have been more than ten thousand people. Well, it has um, it has a very now, short name, so it it stands to reason that it would yeah. be a very small town. It has a small name. Yeah, they didn't have enough money to <laughs> to write a big long like, name out like on, Bendville on the, or <laughs> Bendover was considered for a while. Uh, bend it like Beckham, right. bend a little my way. Uh, but uh, they just went with bend. By the way, I never asked you now, you, I know are from California. Did you grow up in a small town or bigger town or it what? It was. It was a four-letter town. Um, again, short name. It was called Napa, California. Well, that's not just California. I mean, I've got a Napa just down the street here, so it's everywhere. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Napa, the wine valley, which yeah. is probably why I... Self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't know. Maybe that's sort. why yeah. I drink so much wine now. That's where I grew up. That's kind of what I was driving at. Do you, do you ever get back there to Napa? Occasionally I go back uh, to teach voiceover classes. Not very often, but it is very different from when I grew up. Um, it's it's a you know huge metropolis now. Yeah, so you don't have any friends or relatives uh, living down no. there? I don't have any friends or relatives, None. really, in general. <laughs> None. Oh. Well, I can't. Uh, well, that, the, the reason I brought it all up, and this is the second time or third time I've said the reason I brought it all up, is that I've noticed that in this town, uh, it is, I think a lot of people, when they grow up in small towns, and maybe this is more true in the Midwest and places like that, that when you go back to that small town where you grew up 20, 30 years later, it's essentially the same as when you left. Maybe maybe uh, they put a new telephone pole in here or there. The, the Western Auto Store has moved out and some other store has moved in. But basically, structurally, it looks and feels the same. Uh, but that is not the case here in, the, in this town of Bend. It is so wholly different in so many ways that it's a little disconcerting. It's like somebody said, oh, that's great. You get to move back home again. And at first blush, that sounds like it'd be a pretty good thing, but this doesn't really feel like home, like the home I remembered. It's very different. And that's kind of a an odd, weird, disconcerting, throw-you-off-your-game kind of feeling. It is, uh, it's coming back to a place that has the same name. You'd find it on the same place on a map, but uh, it, uh, it it's not similar in many, many ways. And as I look out the window right now, as we're recording this, I see several feet of snow right outside. Is that that unusual? It is too much snow, and I have written a letter to the editor (laughs) about this. But is that unusual? I don't know. I I mean, I I think it's kind of unusual. I don't remember having this much snow routinely in the wintertime when I'm a kid, but, you know, what does a kid notice? A kid doesn't even notice. Right. All snow means to a kid is, hey, I'm going to get out of school. Mm-hmm. Maybe two days, three days in a row. And that's great if you're, you know, not going to summer school <laughs> and then it's the middle of July and then it's kind of weird that there would be yeah, that much snow on the ground. Yeah. And I'm talking to some local people who have been here a while and they go, yep, that's a lot of snow already. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's yeah. kind of how you sound. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. That's kind of how you sound right now. You sound like an old man. No, I got my rheumatism is acting up, you know, because of all this snow and it's cold and everything. Uh, But this seems to me like a greater snow total, uh, even in my failing memory, as I could ever remember as a kid. And it's uh, it's just adding up. So that just adds another layer of difference to this place that I remember. It's climate change or whatever it is, but sometimes I think I'm going to wind up like the Donner Party. Just going out of this house and going down to get the mail. I mean, it's pretty harrowing. Do you have to have? Um, do you have chains? Chains? On your oh, sure. People have tried snow. that, but no chains will hold me, Lisa Foster. <laughs> That's the sound of the men working on the chain gang. 
That's the sound of the men working on the chain. Gang, all day long they're saying, Do you have on your tires? Oh, oh. Or, or do you just have those? Oh, you mean for, for the car? Snow, snow tires with, mm. the, with yeah. the nails in them or yeah. whatever they are. <laughs> what yeah. do you have? Wait. Uh, what, I, I don't you, have nails. Yeah, isn't it? No, I don't have nails in the car, and uh, you especially do not want to put those in backwards, or then you're getting nowhere. Uh, but yeah, you do see studs down here, much more in Oregon than you do in right. Washington yeah. State. Well, what do you? Yeah, but I mean, they're called studded tires, right? Because they got these little metal studs sticking out mm-hmm. of them. But it's not like at the end of the year you can just you know take the studs out of your existing tires. Studded tires are a whole other set of tires, so now you're in a a whole bunch of bucks. So it makes more sense uh, to skip the whole stud thing and go with a set of chains, and that's what I do. That's smart. Do you know how to put them on? Mm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I try. I try. I mean, I think I can. I think I'm pretty good at it, but, I mean, it's one of those things... You don't do it, yeah. you know, very often. It's like making bullia base. Now, how does that go again? I yeah. forget exactly. There must be an easier way well, because they are. Yeah. They're, yeah. Well, supposedly there's be an easier there way. are chains that you can just drive straight over, but I haven't found those yet. Hang on a second. I'm trying to open a window here. Little, I thought it was snowing outside. Why are you stuffy. opening a window? Well, um, isn't it snowing outside? Well, yeah, yeah, it what is. What are you doing? We got the heat cranked up in here so much. I got to. Why you, what, fresh isn't air it in snowing? Here. Ah, that is better. That is much better. Uh, yeah, it's snowing right now. Uh, but but anyway, like I was saying, I have yet to find the kind of car chains that just magically attach themselves to your tires. I mean, the guy that comes up with that, um, you know, that that would be a nice stock to own, I mm. believe. Well, maybe we should work on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that that would be great, but we're you know, going, we're going to need funds, Lisa, and that's where you listeners can come in. If you would be even more generous in your contributions, <laughs> we would take some of that money that you send our way, and we would put Effortless it towards research. Snow chains. Yes, that's right. Snow, snow chains. chains. Correct. Correct. Uh, so I do have chains, but I have to tell you that every time I've used them in the past as a younger man, it has always been disastrous. <laughs> One time I'm going up over a mountain pass, and it is just whiteout. I mean, you, it is snowing so hard, so vigorously, that you literally cannot see anything in front of you. And as snow falls, it starts to become mesmerizing. You start getting hypnotized, and you become snow blind. And the crummy chains I had, one of them was broken, and so the chain kept beating against the undercarriage oh. of my car, destroying it, essentially, and punching a hole right through the trunk of the car. And when I finally somehow made it over the pass, I pulled over, I looked in the trunk of my car, and there was a hole the size of a baseball. Wow. Not one of my favorite chain wow. episodes, uh, needless to say. How fast were you going? Not too fast. Aren't you, aren't you 70, to creep? 80 miles an hour <laughs> top, something like that. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice, too? We need to invent a chain that you can go the speed limit. Yes. Because it's lame. you got to put the chains on, then right. you can only go 12 miles an hour. Yeah, There's something like that would be nice. I can remember some uh, tremendously long trips uh, where we would take with the kids. We might be coming down for Christmas or Easter or, uh, you know, Valentine's Day or whatever. But we would get in the car, and we would be in that car for the better part of what felt like a lifetime. Because you're going so slow, and you just don't get anywhere. And by the way, if you ever come down to Central Oregon via, from Seattle area via Government Camp Mount Hood, then you are going to go even slower. You will, you, you'll, In fact, you will love the speed of a Seattle morning commute after you go through this, because... There is a long, long line of skiers, both coming and going, and uh, no one seems to be moving. I mean, yeah. it would be faster to get out of your car, get on your skis, yeah, and then continue on your trip from there. So I don't know that there's a lot more to say about that, except as Thomas Wolfe once said, you can't go home again or something like that. Well, you can go home again. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news is it's going to take you an awful long time to go home again, especially if you're trying to drive there this time of year.
Yeah. But getting back to this particular hometown, um, I do have a brother living here and his family, so we've got some relatives, and that's nice. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, other than that, it's um, we've come to a strange land, and that's not necessarily bad, you know. Yeah. And as I move around yeah. this place now, I, I don't see a lot of faces that I recognize. Uh, like from my yearbook, they don't look the same. And those that I do see have faces that look like they're going to explode. What did you just say? Well... What did you just say? I'm just saying that as people get older, their faces get bigger yeah. and rounder. And uh, they look, you know, like uh, they're they're expanding. They're, your heads are expanding like they're going to be explode in short time. You think so? Well, I don't think they're literally going to explode. If that was happening all the time, you'd read about it in the newspapers. But they just look different. Yeah. I'm always a little skeptical of those computer models, you know, that, that take a young face and then they show you how it's going to look in 30, 40 years or whatever. That doesn't take into account the amount of food they might eat. <laughs> That's why as we go through life, I think everybody should wear name tags. Yeah. You know, so we can always know for sure who they are. If they don't look familiar, oh, that's the name, yeah. Now, it's not a news bulletin that people's appearance change through the years. I mean, as we get older, we all change a bit. And I don't know, maybe I'm not seeing it in myself, but what I do see in other people that I used to know is their faces are getting rounder and rounder and larger and larger. Yeah. And the face is on the verge of getting ready yeah. to explode. The first time ever I saw your face. On the other hand, as some people get older, their head gets smaller and disappears altogether. Is there a benefit to having a large a small head over a large head. I would think having a big head would be a, a, a plus. Put your head on my shoulder. Well, how, why would it well, be a plus? because, you know, if you, like, fall down a lot, having a big head might... <laughs> might Perhaps more cushion. Not more cushion. It's just, it's there's, you know, I don't really know. If mm-hmm. you have a tiny head, then, you know, I don't know. I, One time I am walking through the grocery <laughs> store and I come upon a guy standing in the aisle and I say, that guy looks familiar. And then I suddenly realized, yeah. hey, I know who that is. It's Pat Boone. Pat Boone was in the store. Really? Yes, Pat Boone, uh, the singer. But then the other thing I noticed about him is that he had a huge, huge gourd uh, on top of his shoulders. Great big head. And then that reminded me that Merv Griffin, I don't know how many people are listening that remember him, but Merv Griffin, he was a talk show host, a singer, but most notably, perhaps, he was a game show creator. He created Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. And he maintained that performers on TV would be more successful. And this probably applied to movies as well. He said the common denominator is that they all have to have really big heads. Huge heads. Big noggins. Mm-hmm. Gigantic gourds. That is the key to success. Really? Vanna. Yes, Vanna White, uh, Pat oh, Sajak. Well, no wonder Vanna looks so skinny then. Yeah. That's the other. It might be true. I mean, I watch talk shows and things, and I'll watch the guests come out, and I'll compare their head size to the to the talk show host's head size. Sometimes favorably, sometimes not so much so. Uh, an interesting phenomenon, and I don't know why it's and true. And there's another good reason to have a big uh, benefit to having a big head is it makes you look skinny. Sure work for Kate Moss. So I wonder if there's any exercises you can well, do. Well, you could stick a vacuum a cleaner big, on your head and your just head keep bigger. sucking and sucking until your head got bigger, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know about the skinny thing. I mean, it would be an optical illusion, of course. But uh, the good thing about a big head is you could contain more brains in there, be more knowledge, more... Mm-hmm. More thinking. Right. Outside of the disadvantage of having to have a bigger hat 
it'd be like having a big computer. Yeah, takes longer to brush your hair though and shave. Mm-hmm. That's true. And stuff. Yeah, more face to wash as they yeah. used to say in the old days. Yeah. So I guess I'm glad that mine is pin sized. But getting back to the idea of uh, coming back to the place that you grew up at or in, uh, I just can't fathom the idea, personally, of spending your entire life in the same place that you grew up in. I don't know. There's something. There's something. You, com- you think otherwise, then? There's something comforting about that. You know, you're hmm. surrounded with what you know. Yeah. It's a big, scary world out there. So. Not everybody is... Especially that part over there. Yeah, and not everybody, um, you know, has a hankering to get out and, and and see what else is out there. They're fine right where they are, thank you very much. Yeah, I suppose. I have a cousin that grew up around here, alongside me, but his thing was that, man, I cannot wait to get out of this town. I cannot wait to get off to college and head on to different climbs and see the world and on and on I would want to go. So finally his chance came. He's 18. He's going to go off to college. He goes off to Oregon State University, which is not very far, really, from Bend. It's Corvallis. But he couldn't Mm -hmm. take it. And he, before long, got homesick. Yeah, yeah. And he just packed up and came back home, and he really has never left this town again. So I think he headed out with different expectations, different thoughts about what it would be like and perhaps decided, no, you know what? I'm comfortable where I am. I'm coming back and I'm going to stay here and not test the waters anymore. And uh, I think that's Mm -hmm. the way it will be for us too. Yeah. We're ultimately going to enjoy our time here. We're going to settle in. It's going to be neat. And we're not going to be so permanent that we don't leave a lot and spend half of our time somewhere else. Uh, Maybe even 90% of our time someplace else. And after all, uh, one of the common denominators is we're still going to be Seahawks fans. Are you a fan yet? No. No, I didn't think so. But uh, one thing you'll have to admit is that if you live around here in the Puget Sound, whether you care about that sort of thing or not, um, it's so all-encompassing you can't escape it. It's going to... It's going to impact you whether you care about it or not. Yeah, I it is that's that is correct. And I I don't want to be you know, I've told you this before. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. jump on the bandwagon just because everybody else is. It's contagious. It's yeah. contagious. And I I just resolutely refuse to jump on the bandwagon just because I'm from Seattle. Oh, come on, get up here. All aboard. Come on aboard. I mean, that just doesn't sound very friendly. I mean, here are people reaching out to you, well, trying to find... It's authentic. Well, I know, but they're trying to find some kind of common ground with you, some point to which you can establish a friendship, and then you rebuff them. Sure. You just say, get away from me. <laughs> you sure. Peasant. I'm going to the theater. But here's what's going to happen if I go, yeah, the Seahawks, they won the division champion battle-off thing. Until your time. into a conversation that I don't even want to have in the first place. Yeah, I, I get w- it. I get it. Well, then uh, just say that. Say, yeah, oh, yeah, the town is gaga over the Seahawks. I'm not really much of a football fan myself, but it's pretty exciting to be there nonetheless. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Now, let's take a look at that ward of yours. <laughs> yeah, or whatever yes. it is you're there to <laughs> do. a good way to do it. But I do have an idea of how they're doing without even tuning into the television or looking on Facebook or asking you, which is what I typically do. Um, Our entire neighborhood, I live up in in a suburb up in North uh, Seattle, as you know. Gated community. And our entire neighborhood is um, in this gigantic face-off argument over people who are, are lighting off fireworks during the Seahawks game. And... There seems to be one... During the game? Yeah. Yeah, there seems to be one guy in particular, and I know it's a guy. Don't try to tell me it's not a guy. It is a guy. It's a guy. I think it's It's, a nun. That's my guess. (laughs) Maybe not an active nun. It's a guy. A formerly cloistered nun. It's a guy. 
guy. No, no. It's a guy or guys. Nuns. Or several guys. Multiple nuns, I say. And everybody knows nuns love fireworks. Every time they make a touchdown. The nuns? He blows off fireworks, and so on our little social media <laughs> network that online people were like, and it happened again yesterday because yesterday was a big game, and and you know I went onto the social media site, and there's all these people going, oh these fire, and they're illegal, and people are upset because it's it's yeah it's, very illegal for the Fourth of July in your it, neighborhood, they're, right? They're just illegal anytime. It doesn't matter what day it is. Period. And and it scares the dogs and the old mm-hmm. ladies, and we yeah. all you know crap our pants when you hear a big M80 go off. And you it's really just, do. It's, it's not fun. So there's there's two very opposed. Nobody's in the middle about this. Right. There's two. You know the Legion of what is the Legion of Boom? Is that their license to go is that what is that I've that's heard... the name somebody gave to the secondary well it, that's... Has, it has nothing to do with fireworks or yeah anything like that it's just the name well, that's what it that's one of the justifications that somebody's like well <laughs> it's the legion of boom duh you, <laughs> you, we got a boom when it happened. why can't it be the legion of silencers yeah or the legions of singing or dancing maybe just sing when it happens but um, but yeah, it, I mean, but this guy, it just seems like, and, and again, I'm not watching the game, but they go off enough that it just seems to me like he's setting off fireworks. Right. No matter what ha- what the Seahawks, even if the Seahawks just get their little football shoes on their correct feet, he'll set off a firework. Yeah, sure. And it's just, <laughs> it's like, well, it's like you don't have to celebrate every little thing. Maybe if they win the game, maybe just one little sparkler would be fine. Could you do that? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, you know, so, uh, you're really just annoying. assuming that it has something to do with the Seahawks game. He might be setting those fireworks off for some other reason. I'm not assuming anything. It's the game because I'll, then I'll text you or I'll text my next-door neighbor who's a big Seahawks fan. And I'll go, did you hear that? She goes, yeah, Legion of Boom. Oh, that's right. And now anytime I hear a boom, I just assume the Seahawks are playing. It could be at 4 in the morning. If I hear a boom, I'm going to just assume that the Seahawks made a touchdown at 4 in the morning. Go Seahawks! Go. Now, you know, it's kind of like if there were, you know, some sort of war or a mortar attack... You know, from uh, from Russia. That could never happen. Believe me. You know, happening in my little neighborhood, I would uh, I wouldn't even run for cover. I'd go, oh, it's that dumb guy celebrating yeah. the Seahawks. Yeah. Well, as it turns out, the Seahawks are so. not done for the season, so you don't have to worry about that anymore. They didn't even lose the game, really. Uh, I I think they were hacked. I think that's how they lost. No. It was the Ruskies. <laughs> yep. <laughs> They did it to the Seahawks, too. Yep. As far as I'm concerned, that is the last straw as far as the yeah, I know. Putin and those know. guys are concerned. But seriously, I think it's really rude and kind of stupid to be setting off fireworks in the middle of the day or night or whatever just because you yeah. happen to be a Seahawks fan. Uh, you all of a sudden want to extend mm-hmm. that to every it's- other ear in the neighborhood and that's not it's fair. really divided the neighborhood i mean there's just yeah i'll just bet see these little sniping comments back and forth it's actually very um uh entertaining to sit down and read these the day after a seahawks game and uh, yeah. didn't yeah. they have a game on like christmas eve or something like that which was a saturday and yeah. everybody's all everybody's all pissed off because they're you know a little silent night and um, and and Hanukkah was that night, and it was like, and then the the fireworks, and oh my gosh! Yeah, I so. hear you. I hear you. Uh, I I feel your pain. I feel your earache. But um, mm-hmm. I I guess I would just say that you're that you will not see, uh, Nazi. Um, I just said Nazi two times, maybe three. Uh, you're not going to see the same people that are blowing up those fireworks. Probably not going to see the same folks at the ballet. Or the public library, I'm guessing. I know. That's just a I guess. I... Some people are just into it. It's it's part of uh, what they interpret out of the Constitution as being their right. Now, we used to live next door to some people that we never heard from. I mean, we're right next door to them, but, you know, every once in a while you'll run into a neighbor or you'll have a neighbor that appears to be mm-hmm. largely antisocial or they've got other things going on and... And if they don't want to hang out with us, I guess that's just fine. 
Except that once a year, the 4th of July, you would hear from these people, specifically the dad, the husband in this family. He would buy every firework from every Indian reservation from here to Alaska. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't drive over to Hanford. You guys have any spare nuclear rods that you're not using here? <laughs> so when the 4th of July would come around, even before it got to be dark, he'd start blowing these things off. Just kaboom, kaboom, kaboom all the time. And, and that's what it was. Yeah. And, it, you know, frankly, it did not bother me that much because it is the 4th of July. It's a, kind of a tradition. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what's wrong? What's the big deal? That's fine. Fourth of July. Right. And sometimes the next morning I would get up and I'd look at our driveway and there would be fragments of fireworks and Roman candles that had flown over our way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, uh, you know, I shrugged my shoulders and said, okay, well, that was unintentional anyway. And it's it's the fourth of July. And so, okay, it's over. (laughs) Right. But then comes the fifth of July, the sixth of July, the seventh, the eighth, the ninth. Boom, boom, boom. It never ends. It keeps going. And now it's August, and it seems like it's September. But quite honestly, one time it was two weeks after the 4th of July, and my wife and I have just settled down for a long winter's nap, and uh, I guess we're watching TV. It's nighttime. It's probably 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, and all of a sudden from outside, it sounded like a plane had crashed. So I go running outside to the front door, And there is the guy standing in his driveway with a big kind of dumb-looking grin on his face. Wow. So the guy's name was Steve. And I cut my hands together, and I rear back, and I just yell. Steve! It's not the 4th of July, you flaming idiot! (laughs) And uh, with that inglorious act on my part, that was the last time we spoke, uh, I think, for maybe two more years. Wow. And, of course, I immediately felt like a big party pooper ass and uh, was just sad about it. He he might not have heard you. He could have been deaf. So, he, he might you have. know. My wife was not happy with me, but I, I just said, I got to tell him that's not okay. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, so anyway. So that, that was so, my, uh, my swing of peace and harmony in our neighborhood, and that's why we had to move out. So, yes. The neighborhood got together. They voted, and they said, you know what, Cashmans, why don't you move out of town? Because, frankly, we kind of like the fireworks. Yuck. We don't mind them. Yeah, so yeah. So why don't you leave? Well, so I don't know. I haven't even looked at anything. Did they do well yesterday? Does that mean I'm in for more fireworks this weekend? No, I don't think so. Ah, I think crap. the Seahawks are done now. Unless those guys become WNBA fans, you should be happy. Well, now, see, I don't want – now, see, I don't want to – don't know because I don't want people writing to us going, eh, Lisa's not – you know, she's a hateful person. I, I don't wish them – you know, good. Go Seahawks. It doesn't matter to me. I don't. Your ire is directed at the meathead who is firing off the fireworks, right? Correct. So I just. That, I think that's reasonable. When is? I mean, he's just. When is it all over? When's it? When is it? Like I said, month? it it is when over. The, when's the Super Bowl? Another month. It's okay. irrelevant. Okay, good. Well, I can handle that then. Yeah, I can handle and, that. And, Except uh, when do the Mariners start playing? He might. He might shoot well, that, off fireworks and, yeah. every time they get it. Well, it could it be even worse uh, in that case because the Mariners, like most MLB teams, play 162 games oh a year. Oh, my God. So I, I think you would know if these guys were Mariner fans. Apparently not. You'd have 162 nights of that if the Mariners were that good. I hope he's not a baseball fan. Yeah. <clears throat> I really hope he's yeah. not. Yeah. Well, you... You just might hope that the Sonics don't come back to town. No, I don't know. I think I don't think that um, you know all sports fans. I, I think there's a, a special breed when it comes to football. That's a special breed of sport yeah. fan. Maybe they um, shouldn't be allowed to breed that kind. I think that I think that they are a little more rambunctious and. Um, out of control and wild. I don't think your average baseball fan. Yeah, well, baseball fans uh, are different. Yes. At least the ones around here uh, because they're Mariner fans, and the Mariners really have had little to cheer about. Sometimes they do. Well, sometimes, yes. But, I mean, for the most part, they've never gotten far in the playoffs. For the most part, they've never been in the World Series. Yeah. Plus, you could argue that the game is perhaps in some ways a little more civilized. I mean, there's strategy involved. It's 
not a game where guys routinely slam into each other. At least they're not supposed to. And if they do, they mm-hmm. get thrown out of the game. So in that way, it's a different sort of game. But also, like I said, uh, the Mariners really haven't done anything <laughs> to get fans so. really excited and crazy. And uh, by the same token, the Seahawks for many years were generally a pretty mediocre football team. I mean, and we always, as mm-hmm. fans, would watch other teams prosper and do well while we sat on the sidelines. But when the Seahawks all of a sudden started getting good, and then they got really good, and then they went to the Super Bowl, and then a few more years went by, and they went to the Super Bowl again, and they won it, well, that just changed everything. Yeah. That's the reason for your neighbor's fireworks, I suppose. Finally, now he feels like he's got something to celebrate. Yeah. All right. Change. Yeah. Uh, last night, my wife and I watched a documentary, maybe it's a couple nights ago, and it was called something like, I can't remember, Star Bright, or name something like that. Oh. It was about Debbie Reynolds and her daughter, Carrie Fisher. Yes. Yeah, yeah HBO just released that this right. week. Yeah. yeah. Was it good? It was very good, and it gave you uh, an appreciation of, of these people. Uh, Debbie Reynolds, I think, was so obviously likable, but it... You came away also really, really liking Carrie Fisher. She's very funny and, and very cool. Oh, I love her. I, mm-hmm. I love her. And, yeah. and you know, the, her death and, and her mother's death the following day recently just was just stunningly sad. It, it was heartbreaking. It was just heartbreaking. Peculiar, and too. Yeah. I, I actually yeah. watched another documentary from lifetime did one about 10 years ago i actually watched that last night probably parts of that were in this i'm looking forward to catching up on the hbo one as well i think you'd like it i heard it's well done yeah well they basically they lived Mm -hmm. next to each other in a pretty posh neighborhood so it wasn't like you know if i if one of them was playing their music too loud you you'd have to walk over and tell them to turn it down but uh, it's kind of a compound, and Carrie lived in one house, and a wonderfully quirky woman, by the way, who had just all kinds of oddball things yeah. in her house, uh, weird signs and strange art. And But it was interesting. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. Uh, it's strangely kind of junky. And then whereas Debbie, the mom, lived in a more conventional, old-fashioned Hollywood house, you know, where the of furniture course. was just so and – there, there wasn't. She's uh, old Hollywood. She's she's stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and she's the house from that glamour like era. That um, yeah, it's just so fun to look at her old movies. And she was such a such a talent. But my favorite thing that Debbie Reynolds was in. There's a lot of them, but my favorite was play, her playing um, on the sitcom Will and Grace, uh, playing Grace Adler's um, judgmental mother. She was just brilliantly funny in that role. Very, very Good morning, good morning. Come on, girls, jump in. Ma, there's no singing here. It's great to stay up late. Good morning, good morning to you. Ooh, honey, I love you. No, honey, so do I. <laughs> oh, well, let's go shopping. We'll spend your dowry. Might as well put it to some use. <laughs> All right. Okay, Mom, but before we go, get it out. What? Well, you've been dying to tell me ever since you got here. Oh, I see. I did the, uh, I did the office, I did the shoes, but I leave out. <laughs> oh, um, hair, makeup, combination skin. <laughs> Hello? You work for me. <laughs> That's what I'm doing, honey. This, uh, this film is, is pretty sweet. Uh, there's a son yes, also Todd. involved. Uh, who. Todd. Todd, who uh, uh, you, you like him too, he's gone a different sort of route. But um, there are a couple of parts of it that will really bother you. Uh, one of them is when Carrie goes to visit her father, who, as it turns out, died three months later. Mm-hmm. Eddie Fisher, uh, who was uh, famously, of course, married to Demi Reynolds and infamously then left her suddenly for mm-hmm. Elizabeth Taylor. I think most uh, most people 
felt that Eddie, uh, for all of his other qualities, was a bit of a jerk and uh, not a good father. In, in fact, uh, he didn't, didn't really have a part in their kids' lives yeah. for the most part. I think son Todd talks about only seeing him um, at some crisis point uh, in in their life. I can't remember what it was, but uh, until then he hadn't mm-hmm. heard from him in years. But in this documentary, she goes to visit by now a very frail, very elderly, skeletal-looking Eddie Fisher, just a mm. shadow. Uh, in fact, unrecognizable from the dashing, good-looking uh, gay blade that he was when he was a younger man. And uh, it gets very, very poignant and touching. And you become quite impressed with Carrie's ability to forgive all of his transgressions. Mm-hmm. But in spite of the father that he really never was for her or her brother, she uh, tells him that she loves him. And uh, you can tell he is moved, mm-hmm. even though he's not able to speak all that well. And then he apparently dies about three weeks later. Mm. One of the parts of this documentary is that Debbie Reynolds, uh, Carrie is routinely getting annoyed that her mother keeps booking herself for appearances at various places around the country. I remember I almost went to, almost bought tickets to see her about four years ago at the Kitsap uh, Casino or whatever that is. You're going up the road towards Bellingham. Um, so she would still try to make these appearances once in a while. Basically, she would just saunters out, tries to make her way through a song or two, like Tammy, and then shows a lot of excerpts from her movies uh, through the years and that kind of thing. And, you know, the, the, the audience were all older, as you would expect. And... And uh, and it reminded me of the Jerry Lewis thing I went to a couple of years ago. All your dreams were meant to share with somebody. Someone to have a midnight cup of tea with. To have and hold and sometimes disagree with. Oh, it's wonderful to live for somebody. And the most you have to give is your love. It's not quite as uncomfortable as that for Debbie Reynolds. It's okay, but it's a little uncomfortable, and she's not really too spry, and she probably shouldn't be out there doing that, except that she loves to do it. But So Carrie's gently fighting this fight with her mom to stop going and doing these things. And then when she's finally got her to agree to it, the Screen Actors Guild, SAG, uh, announces that they're going to give Debbie a Lifetime Achievement Award. And Carrie goes, oh, great. So now here she's got to go do something else again when I was trying to get her to stop. So when you see that part of the documentary, and they're in they're in a limousine, and they never specify exactly what is ailing Debbie, but you can tell she's lost hair. Uh, perhaps she's had a cancer. They don't say what has got her so ill and frail. But they're in a limousine on their way to the theater where the SAG Awards are going to be presented and the Lifetime Achievement Award is going to be going to Debbie. And she is constantly asking people in the car right over, now what is this again? What is it? Is it the what what award? It's the Lifetime Achievement Award, Mom. Okay, the life, what is it again? Uh, the achievement, life achie- mm. lifetime, lifetime achievement. And who is it again? Screen Actors Guild, SAG. You'll remember of it for years. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who, who are they again? Gosh. So it's like that. And Carrie, Carrie's on really getting distressed because she's got to come to the podium and accept this award. Uh, it all works out okay. And and uh, and I remember seeing that uh, live a couple of three years ago when she received the award. And she got through the speech okay. It was a little meandering, but it was okay. But you could see Carrie hovering there. Uh, just hoping against hope that she got through it okay and she could get off the stage okay. But when you see that part of the documentary, and the point I'm getting to is this, that Debbie was really close to the end um, anyway. So when when people love to say, oh, she, she died right after Carrie. She died mm-hmm. of a broken heart. 
that that always that sounds flowery and 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 poignant, I suppose. But I, I would submit that if nothing had happened to Carrie, you might have had the exact same death date for Debbie. Mm-hmm. She was really she's pretty messed up at towards the end of her life, and so I don't think it would take too much of a nudge, especially right. something like her daughter dying, for her right. to go pretty yeah. quick too. So it is kind of sad. Uh, obviously, it, it is, especially the that they both die back to back like that. Obviously, they didn't know that at the time they made the documentary. It just happened to be completed around and about the time that they made their exit. So it's poignant, and it's uh, I think it's worth seeing. Yeah. You should well, thanks see for bumming us all out. Now that we have well, to wrap yeah, up sure. Episode. You know, I I kind of figured that's part of the reason I'm here. And have been placed on this planet, but having said all of that, it is yeah really good uh, good documentary, and it's worth seeing, and I recommend it. And that's my opinion. I'm Brian Johnson. All right, all right. Well, you know, not long ago, Rolling Stone magazine came out with an issue called the 100 Greatest TV Shows of All Time, which begs me to ask you, what is your favorite TV show? Uh, documentary or comedy? Um, whatever. I whatever. mean, not documentary, drama or uh, just or kind comedy. of a conventional TV show. Do you have a favorite? Yes, I do. Oh, because oh. I think that I just brought up. I think Will and Grace is the funniest comedy I've ever seen. I think it's the best TV show ever. I can't find it streaming anywhere, so now I have to go try to find all the DVDs because I want to watch all the episodes again. Plus the fact that they're going to be coming out, they say, with 10 new episodes this year, which is a dream come true for a Will & Grace fan uh, like myself. Okay. The other, uh, my other best best show I think is, that it's is, interesting that Will & Grace is your favorite uh, all-time TV show because I've never seen it. Really? Yeah, I never watched it. Uh, never, so I don't have any affinity for it. Really? I don't. I don't know the show. Never watched a single episode or a single moment of it. Uh, I don't even know which one was Will and which one was Grace. Yeah, well, I love Will and Grace. I'll, I'll watch it anytime I see it. All right. And then uh, Breaking Bad, of course. I've seen every episode of Breaking Bad three times. I've what? gone through the entire series three times. I've gone through. You're it. serious. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's my all-time favorite show. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it that many times. Yep. Huh. I'll be darned. Yeah. Well, yeah. how about that? You surprise me, Lisa Foster. You surprise me sometimes. Because, yeah. as you know, I continue to maintain that Breaking Bad, and I haven't seen every TV show mm-hmm. in the history of TV shows, but to my mind, Breaking Bad, the greatest TV series uh, I, I've ever seen. In It was, to me... The perfect show. And Rolling Stone magazine, they got together a whole bunch of producers and critics and columnists and even uh, producers and actors and directors. That comprised their panel of uh, so-called experts. And uh, they, as a group, finally concurred that, yes, Breaking Bad is a great show, but they ranked it only number three. While the consensus of the group was that... The number one show of all time was HBO's The Sopranos. I woke up this morning, got myself a gun. Mama always said I'd be the chosen one. Yeah, I see. I Well, I never watched the whole thing. I'd get, I'd get through maybe three quarters of the first season, and then I just, I don't know, just lost interest. I just didn't really care about, I, I don't know why. But I've heard other people say they've binged on it and they love it, and I don't know what's wrong with me. So now I feel like something's wrong with me because I never got into The Sopranos. Yeah, well, I suppose there is something wrong with you. But uh, I would tell you that The Sopranos is uh, very multi-layered, very complex in its characters and some of its plotting. And it it leaves a lot of unanswered questions or at least confusing answers uh, at the end of the, of the final season. So... Um, it's in some ways a bit of a challenge to watch, but it's so it's so layered and so deep, and so the the mm-hmm. acting is so good, the writing is so good. It is uh, it's hard mm-hmm. to argue with that as being the number one choice. So with the Rolling Stone people feeling that that is the number one show of all time, and then uh, Breaking Bad, which you and I both agree is a pretty good show, 
uh, they decided that the number two show of all time is The Wire. If you walk through the garden, you better watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon, wanna stay in there I started trying to watch that too. I couldn't get into that one either. Well, I started. I I'd never seen a bit of it. Oh, okay. I got to see this show, and uh, it's it is pretty it is pretty tremendous. But it again is not like a typical show. It just it goes. You, what is this a cop show? Is this a pro cop show? Anti cop show? Is this mm-hmm. a pro drug dealer show? Anti drug? It goes into lives and stories, and they sometimes all the main the central characters of this show mm-hmm. never actually meet each other. Uh, so you're you're jumping around from thing to thing. It's fascinating, but I'm not deep enough into it to proclaim it uh, the second greatest TV show of all time. But it's pretty damn good. I'm impressed. I really am. Then they have Breaking Bad number three. Then number four, Mad Men. I tried Did three times to get into Mad Men, and I have not gotten through the first season all three times. I don't know why. See, again, something's wrong with me. No, this is <laughs> just your opinion, or you, maybe you never had time to get into it. I, I watched Mad Men the first season, great, and second season. But somewhere along the way, it kind of lost me. It just got a little too Byzantine, and I don't know, it just lost my interest someplace along the way. Yeah. And then the uh, the next show that everybody thinks, this is the first comedy that is mm-hmm. listed, is Seinfeld. Yeah. For me personally, yeah. only saw it a couple of times. Yeah. That's... And then The Simpsons is, yeah, yeah. is listed. That's pretty popular, ranked high. Yeah. And I have a friend that has seen every episode at least once. Uh, I, I've seen snippets of The Simpsons, but never an entire episode. Yeah, that was never appointment. That was never appointment TV for yeah. me. But yeah. yeah, it's funny. And then you got Twilight Zone number seven, uh, Saturday Night Live, All in the Family, Daily Show, Freaks and Geeks, Game of Thrones, David Letterman, uh, Larry Sanders, West Wing, Mash, Twin Peaks, Star Trek, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Cheers. Oh man. Yeah, but I'm telling you, I'm looking down this whole list of 100 greatest shows of all time, and I do not see Will and Grace on there. Oh wait a minute, here it is. Nope, that's Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead is on there? No. Yeah, yeah no, but but they are, but no Will and Grace. Well, they're wrong. Maybe they, yeah, they're just wrong. Well, that's that's just what Rolling Stone thinks, after they all. They don't even know, they don't know what they're missing. Yep. It's a fantastic yep. show. Very funny. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Hee Haw's not on there either. <laughs> that is the last straw. I am canceling my Stolen Roan subscription. Oh. And my Rolling Stone subscription, too. Thanks for listening to Peculiar Podcast. Hey, goodbyes. <laughs> Join Pat and Lisa online at PeculiarPodcast.com. The gift that keeps on giving the whole year. And on the Peculiar Podcast Facebook fan page. Sweet. On Twitter at Peculiar Podcast, at Mr. Pat Cashman, and at Foster Chick. Join us and live in peace or pursue your present course and face obliteration. Oh, <laughs>